the place for Celtics news, the place for Celtics opinion, the place for Celtics talk. It's Cattles on Causeway. Episode number three. That's where we're at. Cattles on Causeway with you. SoundCloud, you can follow us on Twitter at Causeway Podcast. You can follow me personally at Nick C Radio. We're trying to get the iTunes situation figured out. Quite frankly, they're being a little bit of a pain in the ass, so hopefully we'll be able to figure that out over the next week or two. Uh, until then, uh, you can continue to listen to us on SoundCloud. I'll continue to post on Twitter when we have new episodes for you. In today's episode and this week's episode, and you know, just in case something else doesn't happen and this is the only episode of the week, uh, this week's episode is honestly something I could talk about for three hours. I'm not going to talk about it for three hours because... Even you will get bored with it, I think, after a while. So I'm going to try to keep it as concise as possible. But the episode number three that we're doing right now all has to do with Anthony Davis. It is the Anthony Davis decision. And where we are right now, I felt the need. I was going to do a draft podcast this week and wait until the Anthony Davis podcast for next week. Then I thought, well, that doesn't make much sense, right? I mean, the draft is next week. Might as well do the Davis thing this week. And then we got all the updates. We got the updates from Adrian Wojnarowski. We got the updates from Sham Sharania. So here is where we are right now. And then I'm going to tell you why I want the Celtics to trade for Anthony Davis, even without Kyrie Irving committing to the organization. I still want this deal done. But first, here's how we got here, okay? Woj reported yesterday, we're we're taping this on Tuesday, Woj reported yesterday uh, that the the Davis talks were moving along. David Griffin was calling teams and he was giving those teams framework on a deal that he thought was passable, that, that he would take, right? A deal that is good enough that he would want for Anthony Davis, a return that he was looking for, okay? From that Adrian Wojnarowski report, there were four major takeaways. Number one, the New York and LA teams were the hottest after AD as of that moment. So you look at the Knicks, the Nets, you look at the Clippers, the Lakers, those four teams. Second takeaway was the Kawhi effect has other teams thinking that they should go after Davis. That because Kawhi has made it to the NBA Finals, because the Raptors are one game away from an NBA championship, thanks in large part and really only to the fact that they dealt for Kawhi, other teams are looking at this one-year rental as maybe something they'd be interested in now versus what they were feeling back at the trade deadline. The third takeaway was that Griffin prefers a deal done days before the draft. Now, the draft is June 20th on that Thursday. So uh, where we are right now, you're about nine days away from the draft. So if, if Griffin is looking for a deal to get done days before the draft because of the, uh, the draft picks that he's looking at, if that's the timeline he's putting forth, this deal is going to get done soon. And fourth, and I think most importantly, was that framework I just mentioned a moment ago. And Griffin wants an all-star, he wants a potential all-star, and he wants two first-round picks. And because of everything that he wants, Griffin, according to Wojnarowski, uh, he wants this uh, to be a three-team deal most likely because he thinks he can get more if it's a three-team deal versus a two-team deal. As far as the Celtics and what Woj had to say, well, this is what he wrote. Uh, The Celtics have long considered a run at Davis, too, but they must take into consideration the future of free agent Kyrie Irving before committing to a significant offer of assets to New Orleans. So basically, Woj is saying the Celtics are on the outside looking in. 
I do not believe that. I don't believe the Celtics are on the outside looking in. I think the Celtics are at the table. I think the Celtics are at the table with the Lakers, with the Clippers, with the Nets, with the Knicks. I think the Celtics have a seat at that table, and they are being aggressive. That's what I think. That's my opinion. And I look back at Woj's history. Let's not forget. Woj screwed up the Al Horford signing, and he has screwed up a few other things as well. He had Jimmy Butler pretty much being a Celtic on draft night, and then all of a sudden that thing fell apart. Uh, he also had Paul George uh, possibly being a Celtic. So, I mean, you look at those you look at those instances, if there is one team that Woj has been off on throughout his reporting career, it's been the Celtics. He hasn't always been accurate. I think he's missing on this one. And what makes me feel even more confident about that is Sham Sharania at The Athletic and what he wrote after Woj reported what he reported. And Shams basically had Rich Paul's pushback, the agent of Anthony Davis. Sharania had a report that Davis was solely focused now on the Lakers and the Knicks. And, you know, the, the idea is that Rich Paul and Anthony Davis took some teams off of their trade deadline list, which I thought was a ridiculous list to begin with. They had teams on there like Milwaukee, who was never going to be able to trade for Anthony Davis because a lot of the players they would have to trade were in the last years of their deal. Chris Middleton and Malcolm Brogdon say hello. So that initial list that was given to teams across the league, it was bullshit. That wasn't a legit list, okay? So so let's just work off of that. I feel like Rich Paul understands where he's at right now with Davis. And Paul understands that Griffin, I believe, is getting offers. And he understands that Paul wants to pull the trigger, that rather Griffin wants to pull the trigger uh, sooner rather than later. And as a matter of fact, I saw Stu Greeny from Barstool tweet this out. And I agree with him. I think this could definitely be a possibility, if not probability, that there's a deal and there's a framework already that's close to being done. That is something that could be happening right now. Griffin could have a deal that he likes. That deal could be from a team that Davis doesn't want to go to. So this is the pushback by Rich Paul to try to get those teams to back off a little bit. I don't think it's going to work. So that's where we're at right now. I can't wait for the Steve Bullpet column. It is going to happen. I'm just waiting and waiting with bated breath. Of course, uh, Bullpet has long been a guy who's been super close to Ainge. And every single time a big story comes out about what the Celtics are going to do and what they're not doing, Bullpet comes out with something and says, no, this is all crap. Or, hey, at least pay attention to this. So I'm just waiting for Steve Bullpet. Here's what I believe. Moving the ball along. The Celtics are talking. The Celtics are talking to New Orleans, and I believe Danny Ainge would do the right deal. Now, we've talked about this on the podcast before, the risk versus the reward. And Ainge, back in 2014, the summer of Kevin Love, he had told Toucher and Rich on 98.5, the sports hub, that he would be willing to make a deal for a guy on the last year of his contract if he thought that guy was worthwhile. We know that Ainge has been chasing the white whale. He's been chasing Anthony Davis for years. You could argue he did not make the deal for Jimmy Butler because of Davis. He did not make the deal for Paul George because of Davis. He did not make the deal last summer for Kawhi Leonard because of Anthony Davis. I believe the Seas are talking to New Orleans, and I think they will do the deal if it's the right deal in their eyes. And I am in on trading for Davis. I'm in on trading for Davis, and I'll tell you why. And this is without Kyrie Irving. With or without Kyrie, 
I am in favor of the Celtics pulling the trigger on an Anthony Davis deal, and I am in favor, I'm okay with the idea of Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart being part of that deal. Here's why. A lot of reasons. I'm not somebody that just throws shit up against the wall. I will give you why I would do this, okay? I'll give you all the reasons why I think the Celtics should take the risk. No one's denying that it's a risk. No one's saying that this is an easy call. If you think the Celtics should not trade for Davis, I totally understand you. I totally get it. I I, I truly, truly understand why you feel that way. Giving up Tatum, giving up Smart, giving up draft picks for a guy that is only here for one year, I understand it. I get it. But I disagree with you. The NBA is wide open, folks. That's what I would tell you. The people who are afraid of trading for Davis, the NBA is wide open. And the NBA was wide open before Game 5 of the NBA Finals. Now, since Kevin Durant has tore his Achilles, the NBA is even more wide open. If there is a season that you go for it, that you take all the risk in the world and try to compile a roster that has the best chance to win a championship in the short term, screw the long term, if there is a season that exists, it's going to be next season. There's going to be a lot of movement. You look at these teams right now, and with Durant's injury, this is wide open. Absolutely wide open for the Celtics to make this move. If you make this move and you bring Davis onto your team, with or without Kyrie Irving, you have a chance to win. You have a chance to win a championship with or without Kyrie. That is number one. Number two, you don't always get a top five talent. Top five talent is tough to find. They just don't become available. And you can look back. Do they become available via free agency? Sure. But then they have all the power. They have all the stroke. They make the decision. You don't get a top five talent very often available via trade. It happened last offseason for Kawhi. That was an unusual situation with weird circumstances with the injury, etc. And talent wins in the NBA. When you have a chance to get a top five guy, and you might believe that Jason Tatum four or five years from now is going to be a top five guy, I say that's not a guarantee. You tell me Davis staying for the long term is not guaranteed. I tell you Tatum as a top guy in the NBA is not a guarantee. So when I look at the Celtics and where they're at, talent wins in the NBA. When you land a top five guy, Toronto is showing that right now. If you land a true difference maker, and Davis is one of those guys right now, no ifs, ands, or buts about it, Anthony Davis is a top five player when he's healthy. He has performed in the postseason. He carried the Pelicans through a round of the playoffs by himself. Top five player. You also can't build a super team without the first true brick. And if you lose Kyrie Irving, there is nobody on this team right now that is good enough to woo a true superstar. If you bring Anthony Davis in, then you have somebody to build around. You have a centerpiece. Maybe you think Tatum is that centerpiece. I don't think he's that guy right now. And I don't know if he'll ever be that guy. I can tell you that Davis is that guy. You need a star to woo a true star. As far as Davis and his thought process, I hear this all the time. Like, oh, well, Nick, you know, clutch sports. And he doesn't want to be in Boston. He's already saying he wants to be in L.A. or New York. Well, yeah, I get it. I know what he's saying right now. Do you remember what Kyrie Irving was saying in October of 2018? Kyrie Irving was telling the world that he was going to commit to the Celtics. Eight months later, what's happening? 
We have no idea what's going on with Kyrie. And if you were a betting man or woman, you would be betting that Kyrie is gone. So, yeah, he said one thing, but we also saw that he changed. Same thing can happen with Anthony Davis. Is it likely? I don't know. I have no idea. But when I look at players and how they change and how emotional they get, you look at Kyrie as an example. You look at Paul George as an example. Who knows what Kawhi is going to do? Players change their minds. And a lot can happen in a year to help motivate them change their minds. You know, this morning, again, we're taping on on Tuesday morning after Game 5 of the Finals. Do we know how Kyrie feels now after Durant's Achilles? Did that change anything that happens? I don't know. It could. Does that change what the Knicks do? Does that change what the Lakers want to do? Does that change what the Nets want to do? Does that change what those teams can do? We have no idea. So much can change from June of 2019 to June of 2020. A lot of moves can happen. A lot of injuries, like last night with KD, can happen. Anthony Davis could become a Celtic in jail with his new teammates. He could fall in love with the coaching staff. He could actually fall in love with the front office. He could strike a great relationship with Danny Ainge and trust him for whatever reason. And and all of a sudden, he loves Boston, and he has these relationships, and he doesn't want to leave. I'm not telling you that's a guarantee, but it's at least a possibility. The question is, do you try to swing for that possibility? Will L.A. wait for Davis with LeBron's clock ticking? I don't know. You know, as next year approaches, LeBron will be 36 years old. Is the chaos that's happening in L.A. right now, does that get worse? Does it get better? A lot can change, folks. Will James Dolan continue to be a mess? A hot freaking mess in New York. Will New York land a big fish this offseason? You know, Anthony Davis yesterday wanted to go to the Knicks. Well, if Durant stays in Golden State because of the torn Achilles. If, if that changes the calculation and the Knicks are unable to land Kyrie Irving, does Davis still want to go to New York with no one else? You get the picture. Next point. I'm not totally sold on Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Gordon Hayward being able to work together in the long term. Those three guys on the floor at the same time, those three wings, I don't know if their games are going to gel. Jason Tatum likes the basketball in his hands. Gordon Hayward is at best when he has the basketball in his hands. Jalen Brown had his feathers ruffled at the beginning of this year because of minutes and touches and what would happen with his game. Now, he got better, but did he get better with that because he was willing to sacrifice in the short term, thinking in the long term he was going to eventually get his, whether it was in Boston or elsewhere? Are you sold that Brown, Tatum, and Hayward on the floor together can work? I don't think that's a guarantee. I don't think that's a guarantee whatsoever. And as good as Jason Tatum looked in his rookie season, and listen, I'm still high on Tatum. I still think he could be a top 15 player in the league. But Kyrie Irving's a top 15 player in the league. And what we learn about Kyrie Irving during the playoffs, we learn that Kyrie is Robin, he's not Batman. So as good as Tatum could be, and and as high as we think Tatum's ceiling is, will Tatum eventually be a Batman or is he Robin? We don't know that. And and judging by how he reacted against Milwaukee, you might even lean towards him being Robin. But if you look back at his rookie year and what he did against Cleveland and the dunk on LeBron in Game 7 and all the things that he was able to accomplish, you might think he will develop into a Batman. All I'm saying is it's not a guarantee. For the people who are saying that it's too much of a risk, 
Those people feel like Tatum is going to be a no-doubt superstar and be the leader, a number one of a team. What I'm telling you is, as much as I love Tatum, I don't think we know that. We thought we knew about Kyrie. And what we thought we knew wasn't the case. Here's something else that people need to pay attention to. Will Davis even be able to sign with the Lakers next offseason? What happens this offseason? What what am I talking about? I'll, I'll give you an idea, okay? And this could be why Rich Paul is pushing so hard. Let's say the current team stays together in L.A. The Lakers stay as is. They don't make any trades. They stay as is. If they do that next offseason with this roster, on the books they have $75 million. If this current team in L.A. stays together, by next offseason this roster will be worth $75 million. The way the cap goes up, that means next offseason the Lakers would have $43 million to spend, which is enough money to hypothetically land Anthony Davis. Here's the fly in the ointment. What happens if they don't deal for Chris Paul? What happens if they don't deal pieces away for another player? What happens if they find out that the only way they can land a top free agent is via free agency? Let's throw a name out there. What happens if Jimmy Butler doesn't get the offer that he wants from Philly and he wants to go to L.A.? What happens if L.A. signs Jimmy Butler, but they keep their current team? So they have their current team, and they add Butler to the mix. If they do that, Butler's going to be worth $33 million. So now the Lakers only have 8 to $10 million next offseason. That's not enough money to get Davis. They would have to make trades. They would have to make moves. So if they add a max contract this offseason, it's not super easy to just sign Davis next offseason, is what I'm telling you. Here's my final point on why I'm all in on getting Davis to Boston with or without Kyrie. If things go south, you can flip them. You can give yourself a chance. You can give yourself a chance until February. And if it doesn't work out, you still have two, three teams, four teams maybe, wanting Anthony Davis. Now, the offer isn't as great as you'll get right now, but you'll still be able to get some assets for Davis. If it's the February deadline and the Lakers are making a push in the West because Golden State... It doesn't have KD and all sorts of shit's happening. If that's what goes down, right, and the Lakers are making a push, the Lakers are still going to want to beat the other teams. They're still going to want to beat the Knicks on Davis. And if things are blowing up, if Davis hasn't changed his mind, if you have any reason to bail on this plan, then you pivot and you deal Davis to the Lakers or the Knicks or the Clippers, and you get at least some of the assets back. That's why I would deal for Davis. But I would not deal everything. The devil's in the details. Here's my deal. Take it or leave it. Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Gershon Yabusele, the dancing bear, and the 14th pick. That's my offer. Somebody beats it? Okay. Tip of the cap. Tatum, Smart, Yabu, 14th pick. If I have to throw in a future first-round pick in like 2024 or whatever the hell, all right, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm not giving up Tatum, Smart, and Jalen Brown. Not giving up those three. I'm not giving up Tatum, Smart, and the Memphis pick. Not giving up those three assets together. To me, Tatum and Smart are two good enough assets to make this deal work. 
and maybe the Celtics get a third team involved. Maybe they deal something extra, get an extra piece. I don't know. You, you can go down that rabbit hole if you want. All I'm telling you is the basic idea. I'm all in on Davis with or without Kyrie, and I would be willing to deal Tatum, Smart, Yabu in the 14th pick. I'd go out. I'd go sign somebody like Patrick Beverly. My starting five would be Beverly, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, Anthony Davis. That is a team that can win a championship, especially with this KD injury. Beverly, Brown, Hayward, Horford, and Davis can win you a title next year. If that team is healthy, that's a championship caliber team. Even if Kawhi stays in Toronto, even with the Milwaukee Bucks, that team is championship material. Is Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward and a 36-year-old Al Horford, you know, two years down the road, if Hayward stays, is that a championship nucleus with those other guys getting paid? Remember, Tatum and Brown, they're going to make more money as time goes on. Beverly, Brown, Hayward, Horford, Davis, that's a championship caliber team next year, folks. Nick, what about your bench? Hey, re-sign Marcus Morris. You can get Beverly for half of the mid-level exception. I believe you can. Split the mid-level. Bring in somebody like a Wesley Matthews, a Terrence Ross, somebody else that can get buckets off the bench. Aaron Baines opts back in. You've got Robert Williams. You've got two first-round picks this year, 20 and 22. You have the vet minimum guys that you can go and find to build that bench. And you kept the Memphis pick. Make the deal. Agree or disagree? At Causeway Podcast is the Twitter. Follow us, please. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your coworkers. Tell everyone who loves Celtics basketball. Tell them about this podcast. I can deliver like nobody else. At Nick C Radio is my personal Twitter. Again, we're on SoundCloud right now. We're trying to figure out iTunes. They're being tough. We're trying to figure that thing out. Anthony Davis decision episode three. I'm all in on getting Davis as long as it doesn't cost us too much. We'll see what happens. I think this deal is going to happen over the next week or so. We will absolutely have reaction on that. And we'll talk some draft next week. Until episode four, thanks for joining us. Continue to spread the word. Cattles on Causeway.